Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to the Alex Cardinal Show, your one stop for news, sports, current events, current news, politics, and fun. With plenty of action packed into this show, there is something for everyone. What will Alex be talking about today? Want to call in and interact with Alex? Call in live at 1 323 642 1605. Now, coming to you live from Springfield, Massachusetts, is the crazy Alex Cardinal. Take it away, Alex. Go ahead and call in at one three four seven 
or excuse me, go ahead and call in at one three two three six four two one six zero five. That's one three two three six four two one six zero five. Go ahead and call in and just tell me what you think of the television series, Webalize, or call in with any questions, or call in to tell me your thoughts. On cyberbullying, one three two three six four two one six zero five. All right, we're gonna get started now because I've got a lot to talk about. So first, I'll talk about the TV show Web of Lies. It's a brand new show that started in 2014, and right now, currently, Web of Lies is in its second season. It's a crime television show that focuses on cyberbullies and criminals on the internet. It's got great episodes and it really teaches you what goes on behind some of these cases of cyberbullying. And I really recommend you letting your kids watch this television show so the kids can find out the dangers of the internet. Now, the show mainly features cases that result in death over meeting people from the internet. Unfortunately, most of the cases Web of Lies features have resulted in the victim suffering a tragedy or a death, which is very unfortunate. And I can't stress enough, it is very unfortunate that cyberbullying can lead to death and people dying. So this is why I stress you need to watch this television show so you can see the dangers of the Internet on TV and experience what some poor people have gone through. And that is why I like this television show is because I get to learn about the dangers of the Internet and see what these poor people have gone through. Now, the next thing to know about this television show is that Web of Lies airs Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Investigation Discovery, and it's one of the only shows that I watch, especially on Wednesdays. There's only two shows that I watch per week. The first one would be Monday Night Raw, Wrestling, and the second one would be um, Web of Lies, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern. And I really, really do suggest to you that you do watch Web of Lies so that you can learn about cyberbullying and the dangers of it. Now, the description of the own TV shows themselves, this is a description from Web of Lies website. In the 21st century, we're increasingly living our lives online, unaware of the risks that can lie ahead, looking for friendship, love, sex, or business opportunities has led many into a twilight world of seduction, danger, and false identity. You never know where the web of lies will lead. And that is the description. Again, it says, in the 21st century, we're increasingly living our lives online, unaware of the risks that can lie ahead. Looking for friendship, love, sex, or business opportunities has led many into a twilight world of seduction, danger, and false identity. You never know where the webs of lies will lead. So hopefully that's a good enough description for you to tune in and watch Web of Lies airing on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern. 
If you also have Comcast, you are able to watch repeats and on-demand episodes of this show. Now, I'm going to recommend you watch WebOIs for three reasons. The first reason is it's going to teach you about the shady people that are on the Internet. Not everyone on the Internet is a nice person. The second reason why I recommend you watch WebOIs is it's going to teach you when to tell someone is a flake or someone is someone that you need to be careful of. What I mean by someone be careful of, you're going to get clues of when you think someone is a bad person. And finally, why I recommend you watch WebAlive is you'll learn how bad the Internet can be. So definitely I recommend you go out and watch Web of Lies. All right. Now, I'm done talking about Webalize until later on in the show. Now I want to talk about the Internet and cyberbullying, which seems to be a big thing during the technology age. So let's talk about not trusting everyone on the Internet. And here is why you simply cannot trust everyone you meet on the Internet. The first reason is you do not know who you are talking to. You don't know if you're talking to a psychopath, a pedophile, or a criminal. That's right. That person you became friends with on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Google+, or any of the social media sites could be a psychopath, a serial killer, a pedophile, or a criminal. You really never know. You're also unsure what this person is capable of. You don't know what this person can do. You also don't know what the person wants. He might want you for some sick reason, or he may want some personal information from you. And that brings me down to something I feel a lot of people do on social media to some people they don't even know in person. Do not share any personal information with anyone you don't know. I'm talking about someone that just friends you on Facebook or on Twitter or on MySpace or on Google+. The same day they friend you, you're already giving out personal information. You do not want to do that because you don't know the person. It takes time for online friendships to build just like regular friendships. I'd say online friendships take a bit longer than regular in-person friendships. It took me about a year to trust someone on the Internet. So if someone is automatically asking you for personal information after day one of being on a social media site, that's a good clue that they're not really your friend. They're looking for something in you. And... The next thing to do, not do on the Internet, is do not agree to meet in person alone. You definitely don't want to go out there and meet someone you don't know because you don't know what could lie ahead of you. You could be murdered, you could be raped, you could be kidnapped, whatever. People are weird nowadays. Let's face it, there's a lot of sickos out in the world now, and I definitely don't want to see any of my listeners getting hurt because they believe someone on the Internet. The Internet 
bullies are able to do a lot of things without getting caught. And nine times out of ten, um, anyone that is posting on social media with a suspicious account is usually going to delete that account when they do something bad. So if they do something to you and you actually went to meet them and they delete their account, there's no way the authorities can trace that person back to you unless you save your messages. So let's say, for example, you met someone on the internet, they kidnapped you and you escaped. Um, you have your messages to prove they did something. But I'm saying here is don't meet someone alone. If you have the feeling you must meet this person, go with somebody. My gut feeling is I usually don't meet anyone on the Internet unless it's someone I spoke with for quite a while and I've gained this person's trust. Okay? All right. Now, you should research this person's name and see if the name exists. Make sure um, the person that is friending you is an accurate person. Now, sometimes this is not going to be accurate because we all know some people are going to give you fake names. They're going to even make up names. But I would still research this person's name and see if it really does exist. And that way you can get some background information. All right, now let's talk about cyberbullying. What is cyberbullying? Well, cyberbullying is bullying that takes place using electronic technology. Electronic technology includes devices and equipment such as cell phones, computers, tablets, as well as communication tools including social media sites, text messages, chat, and websites. Examples of cyberbullying include mean text messages or emails, rumors sent by email or posted on social networking sites, and embarrassing pictures, videos, websites, or fake profiles. Kids who are being cyberbullied are often bullied in person as well. Additionally, kids who are cyberbullied have a hard time getting away from the behavior. Cyberbullying can happen 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and reach a kid even when he or she is alone. It can happen any time of the day or night. Cyberbullying messages and images can be posted anonymously and distributed quickly to a very wide audience. It can be difficult and sometimes impossible to trace the source. Deleting inappropriate or harassing messages, texts, and pictures is extremely difficult after the cell phones and computers themselves are not to blame for cyberbullying. Social media sites can be used for positive activities like connecting kids with families and friends, helping students with school, and for entertainment. But these tools can also be used to hurt other people. Whether done in person or through technology, the effects of bullying are similar. Kids who are cyberbullied are more likely to use drugs and alcohol, skip school, experience in-person bullying, be unwilling to attend school, receive poor grades, have lower self-esteem, have more health problems. So you must keep an eye on your kids on social media to make sure they're not being cyberbullied. Now you're probably asking how to prevent cyberbullying. 
Be aware of what your kids are doing online. Talk with your kids about cyberbullying and other online issues regularly. Know the sites your kids visit and their online activities. Ask where they're going, what they're doing, and who they're doing it with. Tell your kids that as a responsible parent, you may review their online communications if you think there's a reason for concern. Installing parental control filtering software or monitoring programs are one option for monitoring your child's online behavior, but do not rely solely on these tools. Have a sense of what they do online and in text. Learn about the sites they like. Try out the devices they use. Ask for their passwords, but tell them you only use them in case of emergency. Ask to friend or follow your kids on social media sites, or ask another trusted adult to do so. Encourage your kids to tell you immediately if they or someone they know is being cyberbullied. Explain that you will not take away their computers or cell phones if they confide in you about a problem they are having. Now let's talk about establishing rules and technology use for cyberbullying. Establish rules about appropriate use of computers, cell phones, and other technology. For example, be clear about what sites they can visit and what they are permitted to do when they're online. Show them how to be safe online. Help them be smart about what they post or say. Tell them not to share anything that could hurt or embarrass themselves or others. Once something is posted, it is out of their control whether someone else will forward it. Encourage kids to think about who they want to see information and pictures they post online. Should complete strangers see it? Real friends only. Friends of friends. Think about how people who aren't friends could use it. Tell kids to keep their passwords safe and not share them with friends. Sharing passwords can compromise their control over their online identities and activities. And that is a little bit of um, tidbits of information on cyberbullying. I'm actually going to do a whole show on cyberbullying and bullying with a guest here on the Oscar Nelly Show coming up in a few months or a few weeks. So stay tuned for that because coming up on the Alice Cornelli Show, at some point I will do a show on cyberbullying and bullying. All right, so what a great start to this show. And today we're talking about Web of Lies TV show, and we just talked about cyberbullying. Now, Web of Lies, again, airs on Investigation Discovery, and you can check it out on your local cable television or by satellite. ID Discovery is available on um, Charter, Comcast, DirecTV, and Dish Network, as well as some of the other um, channels all around the United States of America. So if you get the chance, I really do recommend you check out and watch Web of Lies. All right, coming up next here on the on the Alice Cardinelli Show, we're going to talk about the cases of 12-year-old Adam Pasquale, 
Megan Meyer, and some other cases that were featured on the TV show Web of Lies. So, what happened to Adam Pasquale? What happened to Megan Meyer? And what happened to some of the other people? Find out as we talk about it next here on the Alex Cardinelli Show. We're going to take a quick commercial break and a quick music break. You can hear some music for your listening pleasures. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those awesome cases for you. The Aquatic Wet Line is a tropical fish keeping podcast that is dedicated to all the tropical fish keepers. The Aquatic Wet Line covers fresh water, salt water, and reptiles. The Aquatic Wet Line is the one and only fish keeping podcast hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. Aquatic Wet Line is one of the original fish keeping podcasts that was the first to be dedicated to freshwater fish on Blog Talk Radio. With over 100 episodes and plenty of new episodes coming to you live each week, Aquatic Wet Line is the place to be for all fish keepers. So check us out. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash AquaAlex. Dakota Aquatics Plus is the next best aquarium keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host of this show, Andrew will dive deep into the topics of freshwater and saltwater fish, reptiles, and other pets. Dakota Aquatics Plus is live every Saturday and is a show that you will enjoy. So check Andrew out. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Dakota Aquatics Plus. Aquatics Euphoria, a podcast about fish, all things fish and everything fish. Let William T. and his co-hosts dive deep into your tank and come up with a great fish species topic for a great show. Check out Aquatics Euphoria today for an enjoyable fish show. William T. and his co-hosts do it all. Salt water, fresh water, and yes, plants and even specials on other interesting topics. Surf over there, right after this wonderful show here on Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that William T. has a new podcast on Blog Talk Radio? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, kids. Teens and in-betweens. Epiphany is a podcast about revelations, sudden awarenesses and innuendos. William T. will discuss topic by topic, week by week or maybe day by day. You never know with William T. This podcast is controversial at best, interesting at least. Come join William T. at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash epiphany USA. Come hear what all the hype is about. William T. slam dunks his attitude with rants, political slurs about governmental blunders, world events and where this world is headed from a revelational point of view. See if this podcast don't grab your fancy. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come sit beside William T. and take part in a podcast that promises to be inviting, action-packed and just plain crazy at times. Come hear some senseless jargon and an attitude from the shrewd dude from South Carolina. The old man of mayhem, William T. Come on be brave and go there right now. Well, wait until this show is over first though. Gail Carson is a singer and songwriter who produces some awesome music. 
Gail Carson is an ASCAP, multi-genre singer-slash-songwriter spanning folk, country, roots, Americana, and a little bit of rock and roll. www.gailcarson.com Gail Carson is also a radio show host of The Gail Carson Show, an original indie artist showcase series broadcast on internet radio stations all over the world. Gail Carson is a professional photographer, videographer, and graphic artist www.gailcarsonphotograph.com Gail Carson is a producer slash engineer. Gail Carson is a music promoter. Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time-consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a Jambox today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Live this coming Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, the Alice Cardinelli Show welcomes its first music band and its first musician to the show. Cal Davidson of New Sims will be on the Alice Cardinelli Show. Cal Davidson will tell us all about New Sims. New Sims is a Canadian rock band, and Cal Davidson can tell us about his rock band. New stamps and when it was started. So join us live this Monday, February 9, 2015, at 6 p.m. Eastern to learn more about new stamps. Alex is pumped to have a rock band on the Oscar Nelly show for the first time. So make sure you listen live to the show this Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Tom. Hey listeners, are you ready? Our history series is back on the Alice Cornelli Show. We learned the history of the United States of America. Now it's time to have fun with our history. Because now we're going to learn the history of some stores. Live this Tuesday, February 10th, 2015 at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to learn the history of one of the largest stores in the world. Live this Tuesday, we're going to learn the history of Walmart. When did Walmart first start? How is Walmart doing now? Let's find out the history of Walmart live this Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So join the Alice Granelli Show this Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern to learn about Walmart and its rich history and its rich controversy. Live Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talk. Calling all husbands, wives, boyfriends, and girlfriends. Valentine's Day is quickly approaching, and Chef Alice Cardinelli is here to help you make a very romantic Valentine's Day dinner. That's right, we're going to have a very special Cooking with Alice Cardinelli Valentine's Day episode 
live on the Al Cornelli Show, Friday, February 13th, 2015, at 8 p.m. Eastern. This will air one day before Valentine's Day, so that husbands, wives, boyfriends, and girlfriends can rush to the grocery store and buy some of the food to cook their romantic dinner for their husbands, wives, boyfriends, or girlfriends. Chef Alex is going to have some delicious recipes for you, including a delicious steak meal, a delicious chicken parmesan, and delicious desserts, including lava cake, red velvet cake, and much more. So, rest assured, Chef Alex will have the perfect Valentine's Day dinner for you. So join Cooking with Alice Carnelli live Friday, February 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern for a perfect Valentine's Day dinner on the Alice Carnelli Show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alice Talks for our second episode of Cooking with Alice Carnelli and you'll learn how to make a delicious, romantic Valentine's Day dinner for your other half. It's time to get funky right here on the Alice Cardinelli Show. We're going to hear some wonderful music on the Alice Cardinelli Show. I hope you like music, so DJ Alex, take it away and play some wonderful music here on the Alice Cardinelli Show. Yeah! Another one bites the dust. The first song we're going to hear tonight is called It's Getting Hot in Here by Nelly. This is one of my favorite songs. So here it is It's Getting Hot in Here by Nelly. Uh, 
Okay, so the next song we're going to hear is called Rocket Man by Elton John. She packed my bags last night, free flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much I miss my wife It's lonely out of space On such a timeless flight I think it's gonna be a long, long time 
You are now tuned back into the Alex Cardinelli Show, live with your host, Alex Cardinelli. We hope you enjoyed our nice music and commercial break and are ready for some fun discussion. What is Alex going to chat about now? Don't forget to call in at 1-323-642-1605 to let your voice be heard. Get involved with social media and tweet your thoughts on tonight's topic. Tweet to at Alex Cardinelli 1, capital A in Alex and C in Cardinelli. Now let's get back to the action. Here's Alex live from the Blog Talk Radio Studio in Springfield, Massachusetts. And we're back here live on the Alex Cardinelli Show. And tonight we're discussing the popular TV show known as Web of Lies on Investigation Discovery. Now before commercial break we were discussing what Web of Lies is and we were discussing cyberbullying. Now, in a second here, we're getting ready to talk about some cases that were featured on WebAlize. But before we do that, I want to remind you that you can call in at 1-323-642-1605 with any questions, comments, or thoughts about today's topic. That, again, is 1-323-642-1605, and I'd like to answer your call if you have any further questions. So, you know the drill, just pick up your phone and dial in at 1-323-642-1605. All right, so we're going to go ahead and do our last topic of the show. And I'm actually going to talk about three cases that were featured on the television series Web of Lies on Investigation Discovery. Now, some of these cases you might already know about because some of them are very recent, happening three years ago or even recently than 2012. But first, we'll talk about the Adam Pasquale story that was the season two first episode. So it was the first episode of 2015 for Web of Lies. So let's learn about the story of Adam Pasquale. This first news article was taken from 2012. A 12-year-old girl disappeared on Saturday while riding her bike, and several agencies have been working night and day to find her. Autumn Pasquale of Clayton, New Jersey, was last seen leaving her house on a white Odessi BMX bike at around 12.30 p.m., the South Jersey Times reports. Her parents, upon realizing she didn't make it to a friend's house, reported her missing at about 9.30 p.m. It's not like her, said Pasquale's father, Tony. She would have been home 11 o'clock this morning if she slept over a friend's house. Hundreds of community volunteers, the FBI, city and state police have joined the search for Pasquale. Her phone is is now either off or has run out of power, investigators told NBC. She's described by posters on a Facebook page set up to help find her as blonde, five foot two, and weighing 120 pounds. She was last seen wearing navy blue shorts underneath navy blue sweatpants, a yellow t-shirt with Clayton soccer around front, and bright blue high-top sneakers. Search and rescue bloodhounds have, haven't yet 
turned up any clues to Christian Post reports. Now, Autumn Pasquale chatted with people on Facebook for bikes, and she was scheduled to trade bike parts with a young man she had met on Facebook. And unfortunately, meeting this person on Facebook was her last action in her life as she lost her life from meeting this person. So this next article is also from 2012. Police removed a bicycle Tuesday from a home near where a 12-year-old girl's body was found in a recycling bin, a case that has spread fear and worry through a town that had been desperately searching for her since she disappeared while on a ride through the neighborhood. Authorities did not confirm the bike was the one belonging to Autumn Pasquale, but it matched the description of the white BMX she was seen riding Saturday afternoon before she disappeared. They also recovered a backpack they believed was hers. Gluster County Prosecutor Sean Dalton would not call the death a homicide and said there were no suspects. Autopsy results were pending. But if someone is found responsible for the death of Autumn, who would have turned 13 next month, they don't deserve to be walking the streets, he said at a news conference Tuesday afternoon. Three teenage brothers live at the home where the bike and backpack were found, said two friends of the brothers. Naeem Williams and Judy Robinson, both 16. One of the teens in the home traded BMX bike parks, according to a young man, Corey Hughes, who is 19 years old, who said he was among those who traded with him. The house was a place where teens frequently hung out and had parties, some neighbors said. Autumn's body was found around 10 p.m. Monday in the bin, just blocks from her house and from Bureau Hall, where thousands of people gathered earlier in the evening for a tearful, candlelit vigil to pray for her safe return. It was not clear whether the bin was on the same property where the bike was recovered or on the adjacent lot of a vacant home. The search for Autumn is over, Dalton said Tuesday. He called Clayton a safe community, but said parents should continue to keep close watch on their children. And this is an article from 2013 putting an end to this case. A teenager admitted Wednesday that he strangled a 12-year-old girl who disappeared last fall while out riding her bike, touching off a massive surge that ended when her body was found in a recycling bin just blocks from her house. Justin Robinson, 16 years old, pleaded guilty to aggravated manslaughter in the death of Autumn Pasquale after agreeing earlier in the day to have his case moved to adult court. Camden County Prosecutor Warren Folk said that in the court hearing, the teen took sole responsibility for killing the girl, even though his older brother is also facing a murder charge. Folk said the boy admitted luring the girl to his home to trade bike parts, but he declined to discuss the motive for the killing. 
Folk said the state was willing to accept a plea deal for charges less than murder because of the complicated circumstances of the case. He said that, the, that because of the boy's age at the time of the slaying and his diminished capacity, it was not a sure thing that a judge would have agreed that the case should be tried in adult court. Further, Folk said that there was forensic evidence that places Autumn's death in Robinson's house. There is no clear evidence, other than the boy's admission, that he was the one who choked the girl to death. Under a plea agreement, Robinson faces a 17-year prison sentence with no chance of parole for more than 14 years when a judge meets out his punishment. September 12th, Folk said that if the case had remained in juvenile court, the maximum sentence would have been 20 years, but he would have had a chance of parole in less than seven years. And actually, fast forward two years now, Justin Robertson is going to be serving 17 years in prison. And he's already served about um, two of them now, so he's got 15 years left in prison. And I believe he deserves way more than 15 years. So I would like to go ahead and take this time, along with my live and archive listeners, to go ahead and give a moment of silence to Autumn Pasquale. So let's go ahead and give Autumn a well-deserved moment of silence. Okay, thank you so much for participating in that moment of silence. Now, I want to briefly discuss why I, be- I think she is killed. And this is just my opinion, so take it for what you will. But it's just my opinion. I believe she was killed because she did not give Justin the bike. And Justin wanted to steal her bike. And when Autumn fought back and did not allow Justin to steal her bike, Justin either punched her first and and knocked her out and then strangled her so she could not breathe, resulting in Autumn Pasquale passing away. I just think it is kind of pathetic that this person could not afford their own bike, so they have the result to stealing from a 12-year-old girl. It is just a rather sad case, and I wish that it never happened in the first place. So you have to be careful when dealing on Facebook and trying to exchange things on Facebook. Um, especially if you are a 12-year-old girl. I would, If I was a parent of a 12-year-old girl, I definitely would be going with them. Anyways, rest in peace, Adam. Autumn, excuse me. Now, if you want to watch this on Web Alive, this is Season 2, Episode 1 of Web Alive, and it goes under the title, Lost Writer. So you can catch it on demand, Season 2, Episode 1, Lost Writer, Web of Lies. All right, now we're going to talk about another unfortunate case, and we're going to talk about the case of Megan Meyer. All right, so let's talk about her background first. Megan Taylor Meyer, who was born on November 6, 1992, and died on October 17, 2006, was an American teenager from Dardini Prairie, Missouri, who died of suicide by hanging three weeks before her 14th birthday. A year later, Meyer's parents prompted an investigation into the matter, and her suicide was attributed to cyberbullying through the social networking website MySpace. Lori Drew, the mother of a friend of Meyer, was indicted on the matter in 2008, but acquitted in 2009. 
Megan Taylor Meyer was born on November 6, 1992, to Christina Tina Meyer and Ronald Meyer in O'Fallon, Missouri. During Megan's childhood, she lived in the nearby Dardini Prairie. She had a younger sister named Allison. From the third grade, Megan had been under the care of a psychiatrist. She had been prescribed Citlopram, Mesofident, and Ziprocidin. She had been diagnosed with attention, deficit disorder, and depression, and had self-esteem issues regarding her weight. She was described by her parents as a bubbly, goofy girl who enjoyed spending time with her friends and family. Meyer attended Fort Zumwalt Public Schools, including Pheasant Point Elementary School and Fort Zumwalt West Middle School in nearby O'Fallon, Missouri. For eighth grade, her parents enrolled her at Amico Conception Catholic School in Darden Prairie. They thought that its policy regarding uniforms and prohibiting makeup and jewelry might help Megan fit in. Soon after opening up an account on MySpace, Meyer received a message supposedly from a 16-year-old boy named Josh Evans. Meyer and Josh became online friends but never met in person or spoke in person. Meyer thought Josh was attractive. As Meyer began to exchange messages with this person, her family said she seemed to have had her fears lifted. The person claimed to have moved to the nearby city of O'Fallon, was homeschooled, did not yet have a phone number. A 16-year-old male named Josh Evans was registered on the account used for bullying messages to Meyer. But Lori Drew, the mother of Sarah Drew, a former friend of Megan, later admitted creating the MySpace account. At the time of the suicide, the Drew and Meyer families were neighbors living four doors apart. Lori Drew was aided by Sarah and Ashley Grills, an 18-year-old employee of Lori. Lori and several others ran the hoax account. Witnesses testified that the woman intended to use Meyer's messages sent to Josh to get information about her and later humiliate her in retribution for her allegedly spreading gossip about Drew's daughter. On Monday, October 16, 2006, the tone of the messages changed. Josh stated in a message sent to Megan, I do not know if I want to be friends with you anymore because I have heard that you are not very nice to your friends. More messages of these types were sent. Some of Megan's messages were shared with others and bulletins were posted about her. According to Ronald Mayer and a neighbor who had discussed the hoax is true, the last message sent by Josh read, Everybody in O'Fallon knows who you are. You're a bad person and everyone hates you. Have a shitty rest of your life. The world would be a better place without you. Mayer responded by saying, you're the kind of girl, or actually you're the kind of boy a girl would kill himself over. The last few exchanges were made via AOL Instant Messenger instead of MySpace. Meyer was found 20 minutes later in her bedroom closet. She had hanged herself with a belt. Despite attempts to revive her, Megan Tyler Mayer was pronounced dead the next day on October 17, 2006. 
Several weeks after her death, Megan Mayer's parents were told that the mother of one of their daughter's friends, with whom Mayer had a falling out with, had created the Josh Edwards account. The parents, Lori Drew, who created the fake account, admitted that she and her daughter had the password to the account and characterized the hoax to report her as a joke. Intentionally, Drew denied knowing about the offensive messages that were sent to Meyer. She told the police that the account was aimed at gaining Megan's confidence and finding out what Megan felt about her daughter and other people. The neighborhood mother who had told the Myers that Drew had the hoax account said Lori laughed about it and said she had attended to mess with Megan. While Drew's name was excluded from most early news stories, CNN disclosed her name through the inclusion of the police report in its broadcast of the story. It was also featured on many blogs. It was more than a year between Mayor's suicide and the first media report of the Internet hoax. The FBI was investigating the matter and had asked the Meyer family to refrain from speaking publicly about it to keep the Drews from learning about their investigation. Shortly after the first anniversary of Meyer's death, her aunt, Vicki Dunn, saw an article written by Steve Polkin of the Suburban Journal's about internet harassment. She contacted Polkin to share Meyer's story with him. Once the story broke, it quickly spread to national and international news outlets. At a press conference on Monday, December 3rd, 2007, Jack Bowenis, the prosecuting attorney of St. Charles County, said that Lori Drew's 18-year-old temporary employee, Ashley Grills, wrote most of the messages addressed to Meyer, and she wrote the final Josh Evans message addressed to Meyer. Gill said she had wrote the final message to end the MySpice hoax and get Meyer to stop communicating with Josh Evans. Boenis stated that he did not interview Gillis because at the time she was under psychiatric treatment for her participation in the Meyer case. He did not plan to interview her at a later date. Internet webloggers posted photographs, telephone numbers, email dates, and addresses of the Drews and the employee on various websites. Businesses to advertise in Drew's coupon book business were also shunned. Sarah Wells, a web blogger who revealed that given and family names of Lori Drew said, I don't regret naming Drew. Stephen Hutchin, a writer for the Australian newspaper The Age, compared the Darden Prairie Street when the Drews lived to Wisteria Lane in, in Desperate Housewives. He noted that neighbors were feuding and there was an increased police presence. After reviewing the case, county prosecutors decided not to file any criminal charges in relation to the hoax. And this is a very sad case, and this is one of those sad cyberbullying cases that I feel should not have had happened in the first place. So, let's go ahead and give a moment of silence for Megan Meyer.
All right, so thank you for participating in that one as well. Now, I would um, definitely, definitely say that this is a, a unique situation, and I think an adult should have not done that. But I'm not going to offer my thoughts because my thoughts aren't PG, so I'm better off just not offering them. However, I am going to try to get Tina Meyer as a guest here on the Alice Cardinelli show at some point so that she can explain her Tina Meyer Foundation, or should I say the Megan Meyer Foundation, because she turned a negative thing into a positive thing, where she is actually educating people about cyberbullying. So I would like to interview Tina Meyer here on the Alice Cardinelli show, so she can tell us about her Megan Meyer Foundation, and we can learn about cyberbullying some more from a victim of cyberbullying. That would be great. So I'm going to contact the Megan Meyer Foundation and see if I can get Tina Meyer on the Alice Cardinelli show because that would be great for us. And for the meantime, I definitely advise you to check out the Megan Meyer Foundation on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. All right. And if you wanted to watch this episode of Web Alive, this is Season 2, Episode 3, and it's called Friend Request of Web of Lies. All right, and our last story tonight is about Amanda Howard. Amanda Howard, 18 years old, was expecting her first baby as early as a week, and she did not realize she'd been targeted for assault until too late. Two girls, Lauren M. Gash, 19 or 20 years old, and Alyssa D. Bet, 17, had lured her out of her home on July 31, 2007, with a ruse. Apparently, they met her on the Internet, on MySpace, where she placed an ad looking for baby clothing. They told her they would show up where she could purchase inexpensive goods for babies. They picked her up, but then started talking between themselves about a plan. One asked the other, how are we going to do this? Amanda said she should have got, should have not, should not have gotten into the car with them, and she reached for a cell phone to call 911, but they had sprayed her in the face with mace, and as she struggled to recover, bound her with duct tape. Forcing her into their car, they drove her to a motel, the Interstate Inn in Blue Springs, a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri, and took her into a room they rented to imprison her. They had apparently plotted together to steal Amanda's baby, but at one point, Betts left the room and called the police to tell them there was a woman in labor. Officers arrived at once, believing they might have to perform a delivery, and went to the hotel room, demanding to be let in. They found Gosh there, and and she told them her friend was in labor. However, they discovered Amanda in the bathroom, with duct tape over her mouth and rope burns on her wrist. So according to one newspaper account, they sprayed gush of pepper spray to subdue her. Then they transported Amanda to a hospital for treatment. The The complaint indicated that Gash had sat on Amanda's distended stomach and twisted her head back and forth in an attempt to injure or kill her. Amanda told police that they had planned to cut her open and let her die there in the room. She was certain that Gash had been trying to break her neck 
as she felt her neck joints pop several times, which Gash was, which Gash was man, manhandling her. Beth had been there too, but had walked out. Beth initially said they were holding Amanda there so the baby's father could come and take the baby after it was born. She also said that two men had asked them to kidnap and tie the victim so that they can cut the baby from her womb. She apparently did not know which story she should tell. In the room, police found duct tape and X-Acto knife, scissors, a syringe, insulin, a plastic drop cloth, and fake copies of a birth certificate labeled Johnny Gash. There was also a list of needed items that included a baseball bat, a rope, and a hammer. Gosh, it turned out, had told family and acquaintances that she had recently delivered a baby by C-section at a local hospital. That way, no one would be surprised when she showed up with a baby. She was heavy set, so a pregnancy story was feasible. She'd taken to wearing maternity pants and had even had a baby shower. During a police interview, they asked if she was pregnant, and she responded, not anymore. Betts and Gash were both charged with first-degree kidnapping, and Gash also received a charge of assault. At the hospital, a sonogram showed that the baby was unharmed, and he was born with self-complication the next day on August 1st. It took several weeks, but Amanda finally spoke to reporters, telling them she suffered from post-traumatic stress, but believed the incident would inspire her to be more careful for herself and her baby. The police surmised that the two abductors had been inspired by the Billy Joe Stinnett case, since that had occurred not far away and involved the same idea. While the case was being prosecuted and processed, Amanda was the receptant of an overwhelming number of donations, including so many baby clothes, she had to give some away. And that was a very interesting case that can be seen on Web of Lies as well. All right, well, that's going to do it for us tonight on the Alice Cardinelli Show. What a great show. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Now, as I said earlier in the show, there will be a show on bullying and cyberbullying later on on the Alice Cardinelli Show. I'm going to have a couple guests coming on for this very topic. There will be more shows on the TV show Web of Lies. I can guarantee you that. This is going to be a series. So today we debuted a series because I'm going to be doing a series of Web of Lies radio shows covering some of the cases that have been featured on Web of Lies. So in a couple of weeks, I'm going to do another Web of Lies shows. I'm also going to be doing some more TV show episodes, so stay tuned for that. I should have a show on another ID Discovery show called, um, uh, I almost got away with it and it disappeared. So there will be some more TV shows here, uh, TV show episodes here on the Alice Cardinelli show. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to the Alice Cardinelli Show tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share this on Facebook. Well, with that being said, I'm tired, so I'm going to go to bed now. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Alice Cardinelli Show. 
If you're listening live, thank you for listening live. And if you listen to the archive episode, thank you so much for listening to the archive episode. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for another episode of Web of Lies. Hopefully a much better one. I know I didn't sound all too well today. I'm coming down with a cold. But hopefully a much better episode of Web of Lies next time here on the Alice Cornelli Show. All right, you have a great rest of your Sunday night, and we'll see you for our next episode of the Alice Cornelli Show. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Alex Cardinal Show, your one stop for anything sports, news, politics, and general chat. Make sure you join us each and every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Please like our fan page on Facebook. Log on to Facebook and type in the Alex Cardinal Show and click like. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Check us out there. For more information on our show, check out our webpage, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talks. Have a good night, and thanks for listening to the Alex Cardinal Show.